Hello everyone, you're listening to the World Rugby Podcast where we cover all tournaments, all formats. Going up and Ember with the grab and Ember. Hey, Green Acres is a place to be. Shanna Ember. For Coloco, he's stripped the Scots of possession and he's off and he's away. Kenki for Coloco. And Japan in total delirium. You can watch me go the distance. Elliot Green, she's no doubt the quickest woman in Cape Town this weekend. TJ Perinara will be very, very happy with that one. What a finish. What a finish. Yeah, g'day again, team. Sean Maloney here. Great to have you dialed in for another episode, and this is a big one. Super Rugby is up and running this weekend, and All Blacks Test Centurion Mills Muliaina is the man to preview the Southern Hemisphere's premier club tourney. The Six Nations are about to get rolling, and the BBC's Chris Jones is with the England camp ahead of their opener, V France, he's got the skinny on the six runners there. And we're also catching up with the fastest woman in world rugby, Elia Green, who is ready to fire at the Sydney Sevens this weekend. All right, let's kick it off with a look ahead to the Northern Hemisphere's top competition. Yeah, all the way from the UK and about to what about to get into dessert or dessert wine over there, Chris Jones. <laughs> in Portugal for the uh, for the England training camp. They're over here for a few days before flying straight to Paris for the England opener on Sunday. So I'm just uh, just wrapping up dinner here in the Algarve in the south of Portugal. Oh, how nice. Tell me this, Portuguese chicken, is that a specialty there? I had steak tonight, but Owen Slot from the Times gave me a little bit of his chicken, which was really nice. All right, uh, run me through it then. So you're there in Portugal with the England camp. How are they looking ahead of this Six Nations coming off the back of their World Cup final finishing spot in 2019? The key thing is, is that I don't think, I mean, here we are, what is it, Tuesday night, Portuguese time. England started training properly today. Over the weekend, and they came to Portugal on Thursday, everything was about their mental preparation and about the World Cup final. And yes, they had to address the Saracens situation. And Saracens has been obviously the biggest story in UK club rugby for ages. They had to address that, but also they had to address what Eddie Jones is kind of referring to as the as the beaten World Cup final finalist curse. Every team that loses the World Cup final in the past four or five World Cups has gone on to bomb, either the year after or two, three, four years after. So England, I think, have been about the last few days, been about addressing their mental and psychological approach before they get into any training. Yeah, that's a great point you make. I just that. Swings me back to 2016 when Eddie actually led England down here in Australia and pants some three zip in that first up series off the back of the World Cup. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and Australia 2015, they were awesome after, you know, not the greatest build up. They changed their coach, Checker came in. And I thought, apart from New Zealand in the final, Australia were, were the best team in, at that World Cup in 2015. Then they were they were battered three 0 by England in 2016, and fast forward to 2019, knocked out in the quarterfinals. You go back to 2011, France beating the World Cup final, dumped out in 2015 of the quarterfinal stage. England in 07 lost to South Africa, dumped out by France in 2011. So history dictates that the teams that lose the World Cup final struggle thereafter, and Eddie Jones, being the smart coach he is, the experienced coach he is 
has looked at that and made it quite clear to his players, you may have got to a World Cup final, but A, you didn't win the World Cup, so you're not top of the world, and B, you've got to make sure you're firing come the next tournament because history dictates that it's pretty difficult to get so close to Everest and then fall away. So this is what I think England's challenge is as much mental as anything else. Take me through some of the squad changes, ins and outs on that England front that have caught you or some of the other uh, journos and reporters by surprise. England have done a mix here. So the headline when they named their team a couple of Mondays ago was eight new caps. And you go, wow, a World Cup final team bringing in eight new caps, you think that's a big deal. And it is a big deal. However, alongside those eight new caps, it's pretty much the whole of the World Cup team. So Eddie Jones has probably only dropped one guy who would have been really competing for a place in the 23, and that's Dan Cole. The rest of the time, he's looked at fringe players and moved them aside and brought in some fresh faces. So even though in the first instance you go, big change in England, it's not a big change. The team that plays against France on Sunday will have a lot of the guys that played in Yokohama against South Africa. So Eddie Jones is doing what he does, which is always continuity, and then just sprinkle change on top of it, which means that England should have a pretty a pretty good balance when they get to Paris. It's a great way to get the Six Nations rolling. England v France. Give us a bit of an insight into that French lineup, and what can we expect from Le Bleu in Le Crunch? Look, I don't want to sit here and do the, the same standard cliches about which French team is going to turn up, and you never quite know, but... We we don't really know what we're going to get from France. You, know, <laughs> you can't it's, not look, say it, though. You can't not you say can't, that. But, okay, where I'll, where I'll just try and clarify is that previously, we haven't quite known what France... Fran, we, we used to know what France was going to turn up. It'd be a poor French team. This French team has not made a scratch on World Rugby in years. However, however, we've now got a French team that in 2018, their under-20s won the JWC. A lot of those guys are now coming into top-level rugby. They've got a, a lot of players who consistently perform at the highest level of European club rugby for Toulouse, for Clermont, for Racing 92. And then you layer on the fact that there's a bit of a better relationship between the clubs and the union, and they've got Sean Edwards in. And for everyone in, in this part of the world, in the UK and Europe, Sean Edwards is that kind of figure who could maybe take France from being the perennial underachievers to a team with backbone and with discipline. He's not had long with them, but I've never seen a Sean Edwards side that is passive. I've never seen a Sean Edwards side that isn't fully committed. And if he can bring that kind of discipline and commitment to a French team that is laden with talent, albeit youthful, inexperienced talent, then I think the French could give England a big shock on Sunday. Well, from memory, they led Wales by plenty in the opener last year. 16 before. points. And 16. You're right, and capitulated in the end. So maybe they can jump hard and fast this weekend. What are we looking at on the Welsh front? New coach, new era. What's going to play out in Cardiff? Yeah, Cardiff, they've got Italy first up, which, to be honest, and with respect to Italy, who I think are going to be are going to be. be up to something under Franco Smith, who's a coach with a real track record at the Cheetahs and at Treviso before that. But if you want a game to start off a new era, you want Italy at home. And if you also are a coach in Wayne Pivac, who is following a guy who has achieved more as a Welsh coach than any other Welsh, co Welsh coach in history, 12 years of success, four titles, three Grand Slams, two World Cup semi-finals. I mean... 
Warren Gatlin has sent a legacy. And you just got to look at UK English Premier League soccer following Sir Alex Ferguson, disaster. Following Arsene Wenger, disaster. The man that follows the man is one of the toughest jobs in world sport. And I think what I've been encouraged about speaking to Wayne Pivak, those close to him, Alan Wynne Jones, the captain, is that Pivak acknowledges that. He knows he doesn't need to rip up the scripts and start again. He needs just to tweak a few things. So he's brought in some new guys in his backroom team. He's connected with previous Welsh players like Sam Warburton, who's now on the staff. And he knows that it's a continuity with a fresh approach. So I think they've got a great start. Italy at home. I'm sure they'll win that game. They've made some canny selections from the English Premiership. I don't see Wales as Six Nations title contenders, but I think they'll be very competitive under PVAC and maybe they'll just tweak their style of play. All right, so that leaves us Ireland and Scotland. What can we expect of those two teams through the next uh, couple of months? Yeah, fascinating one, this. Let's start with Ireland. They've got a new coach in Andy Farrell. No stranger to any of our listeners, given that this guy was obviously a superstar in rugby league, played England Rugby Union, and then has been a, a key assistant, first for England from 2012 to 2015, and then with Ireland 2016 through to 2019. He's got his first taste at being the main man, and speaking to some of those guys around the Ireland camp, he seems to have embraced it. He's bringing a slightly more relaxed edge and a relaxed vibe to the Ireland camp than Joe Schmidt before him. He's gone with experience in certain positions, 9 and 10, with Murray and Sexton, brought in a new number 8 in Caelan Doris, so he's obviously looking for that blend, and I expect them to get up and running against Scotland, and a Scotland team who have a, a lot of the same continuity in terms of Gregor Townsend, some of their players remain from the World Cup, but it's a Scotland team with it all to prove after four World Cup. They've lost some experience in Greg Laidlaw and John Barkley, and the Finn Russell affair has completely overshadowed Scotland's preparation. They're without their kingpin, they're without their main man, the guy who can make things happen from nothing. You just see him at Twickenham 2019 to know that Finn Russell is a guy, Carlos Spencer style, who can do things not many tens can do. He won't be involved. Is Adam Hastings going to step up? That's the big imponderable. So Scotland's preparation, badly affected by that. It could work out well if Hastings delivers. Um, but you've got to go with Ireland there. And I think how Andy Farrell adapts that main role is going to be one of the most fascinating subplots of this whole championship. Just staying with Finn Russell, can you explain to those of us who aren't across Northern Hemisphere rugby as closely as you are, what happened there? Because as you say, he is one of the most exciting players in world rugby to watch and for him not to be on the park it's a real it's a real shock for those of us who are casual six nation watchers yeah and you got a uh, you got a guy in russell who is completely banging form Racing 92 his his french club have been one of the best teams in europe this season there's been a breakdown somewhere russell went into camp with the scotland team last sunday by all accounts he he took the offer to have a few beers with the squad a little bit too far the line from the Scottish camp is that he breached team protocol. Uh, Gregor Townsend has confirmed that Russell left the camp on Sunday. He returned on Monday. Him and uh, Townsend and Russell had a good chat on Monday. And then Russell left again on Tuesday to go back to Paris. So at the moment, we've got an old-fashioned standoff, a standoff involving the standoff, if that makes any sense. So who, who is going to blink first? Does Townsend and some of the Scotland senior players say, look, 
we need Finn so badly, we will bend a little bit and try and adapt to, to what Russell wants? Or do they say, which is what Townsend said a few days ago, look, as great as Finn is, no one is bigger than the team. So at the moment, I don't know where this ends. It might be that Russell comes back into camp in a week or two and he plays round two, three, four and five. It might be that Alan Hastings rips it up for Scotland on Saturday and Russell doesn't play a game this championship. Ultimately, for the neutrals, it's a massive shame because Finn Russell is gold dust. But Gregor Townsend is being faced with this age-old problem that head coaches in any sport get. To what extent do you try and bend and adapt for the Maverick? And to what extent do you tell the Maverick to adapt to your rules? And that's kind of where we are with Scotland at the moment. And I'm not sure when this is getting sorted. Who'd be a coach? Who'd be a coach? I need you right now, Chris Jones, to be a Maverick for me and tip me. The winner of the Six Nations, who will be the leading try scorer in Six Nations 2020? Okay, so I think the winner of the Six Nations will come out of the France-England game on Sunday. So I'm not going to give you a winner, Okay. but I think whoever, whoever wins that game will win the tournament. Um, so if I had to be pushed, I'd say England, because that's the safe option, because, you know, it's being a little bit not very brave. England are heavy favourites of the bookies. If France can upset England in Paris, then I think they've got a great opportunity, even with a seriously inexperienced side. Top try scorer, Virumi Vekitawa is in unreal form, the French outside centre. Uh, but I'm a big fan of Josh Adams on the wing for Wales, and he's been tearing it up for a year, a year and a half. I don't see why he can't continue at this championship. Very good. Okay, mate. Well, that's a sparkling debut from you on the World Rugby Podcast. I wouldn't mind getting you back in a couple of weeks. You'll be good to go again. Absolutely. And I know there's always room for more than one rugby podcast in this world. So any of our listeners want to get on Rugby Union Weekly from the BBC, then please do. You enjoy the crunch this weekend, and we'll check in again shortly. Cheers, Sean. See you, buddy. Well, there you go. Big things to come in the north, so too in the south. And All Blacks Test Centurion Mills Muliaina is the man to fill us in. Yep, time now to bring in a man who got another taste of sevens across the weekend in Hamilton, a place that he called home for six years, wasn't it, Mills Muliaina, that you uh, called Waikato Stadium home with the Chiefs? Oh, uh, yeah, about, about that. Yeah, six, yep. Six years, mate. Don't use that too loosely, though. No, I know. There were a couple of other clubs in the mix there as well, which makes you the perfect man to preview Super Rugby 2020. Uh, you're going to be doing your thing with Sky Sports across the year, Sky Sports NZ. And I need you to tell me, Mills, why is the season up and running in the last week of January? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? To think that uh, on the very last day of January, we're going to be having our first Super Rugby game. Well, I, I think it's got something to do with, you know, because uh, you know they're, they're working on a similar format as last year where they're going straight through. So right through, there's not going to be any break. There's not going to be that international window where they usually break off and guys go away for two to three weeks, actually probably more when touring teams come across uh, to the Southern Hemisphere. They're just going straight through. So this will enable them to do that, but it just means an earlier start instead of it being on the barbecue, mate. You're hitting the Broncos. Ah, uh, there you go, there you go. Right, so uh, keeping the bees running. Uh, big off-season signing with Bodie Barrett off to the Blues. Who are some of the other big name movements across the sides in the franchises this year? Well, he, he is really the, the, the was the biggest talking point. Really, that no one actually thought he was going to leave uh, from the Hurricanes, given his brothers 
been down there, but it's a, it's a little bit mixed down here, uh, down here in uh, New Zealand. You've got the Highlanders, who are pretty much depleted. A lot of their superstars and their more experienced players have left. Similar, but in, in the Crusaders, but not so not as bad as what the uh, uh, the Highlanders have had. And you've always got to be, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Crusaders. Sorry, should I say? You know, they've always got their sort of extra talent. They've always caught on them. Of course, some of their experience that they've had over the past. Um, the Hurricanes. And they'll be fairly settled, but it's the Chiefs, really, for me. Um, you know, a lot of those guys are coming back. They're returning Damian McKenzie. And, um, you know, so they're looking for They're probably looking at the best sort of team out of the whole um, franchise here in New Zealand. And, of course, the Blues. Every year, they, they, they show plenty of promise in the preseason, and they've done that again, uh, having picked up two quality wins. Is it going to be the Blues year? Well, everyone in Auckland is hoping so. Well, let's bounce back to the Chiefs because you've just kind of skimmed over the fact there that they've picked up one of the best coaches in world rugby to lead them around this year. Yeah, they have. I mean, I've, I've just actually come back from Hamilton. I've had to fly down there again today after the Sevens to interview him, see how things were going. Um, so they snapped him up pretty quickly. He was, he was, he was, uh, wasn't expecting it. He got a phone call. He said he was going to come back, take nine or so months off before sort of taking on the, the Lions. And it's all sort of worked out for him. So they enabled him to take a sabbatical um, to go back and, and coach the Lions toward South Africa. But he's looking really refreshed. Um, some of the talk out of uh, Chiefs camp as well as they're training short and sharp, really intense, short and sharp. And guys are, uh, you know, are feeling pretty good. The, the, uh, the environment's pretty good. Eddie's also spoken about, um, you know, what, what he's learned over the past and, you know, looking after players and being honest with players about selection and things like that. So I was really sort of, um, you know, keen to hear what he had to say. But they're looking sharp. But, you know, it's always, you always hear that. You know, sometimes uh, in preseason you train sharp and, you know, I just wonder whether they, you know, what the intensity is going to be like for the Chiefs because, you know, you can say short and sharp, but, you know, on a few occasions sometimes uh, you don't go as hard as perhaps you think you do because you know that, you know, that the time that you've got in training is very limited. So you can actually sort of hide away a little bit. So I hope that's not the case for the Chiefs, but certainly some good stuff coming out of uh, Chiefs' Manorland, that's for sure. So Warren Gatlin in charge of the Chiefs. And we go all the way down south. Scott Robinson will lead the Crusaders around again. They're chasing their fourth straight title. Incredible run that they're on. Uh, what will the blowback be like or how will things change with uh, Razor Robinson missing out on that All Blacks gig? And will it be hard for him, do you think, to stay up and get the red and black moving again? Oh, no, I don't think so. You, you, you know how sort of, you know, everyone knows how bubbly he is, how energetic he is with his crew. He's created a real good environment down there. He's, he's, he's lost a lot of uh, a bit of leadership and things like that, but he's still got fair amount of expected players and, and also when you look at your your nine and ten combination that's been really good for him over the years you know um brent hall's around so is richie Moonga, so uh, and you still got you know uh, plenty of firepower up front and, and some, for some of those guys now you know it's a real big opportunity for them to get sort of regular game uh, game time you look out, out, out a little bit wider where they've had sort of a backlog of um you know of of players, explosive players, you know, all vying for spots. Um, you know, you lose a, a bit of experience and all of a sudden, you know, they come into it. No, will there, will there be a um, backlash from, you know, missing out? I don't think so. Uh, yes, a bit of disappointment, but I think, you know, given Razor Ray, he's just, uh, he just carries on and, um, and keeps going. Interesting, though, he's got a, 
new member in his staff. He's gone over to the Northern Hemisphere again. And I think um, that's really worked for him, you know, giving a different view on, on, uh, from a defensive point of view. So looking forward to seeing how they go this year. One of your old teammates, Corey Jane, has put his hand up to have a dabble at coaching with the Canes, his beloved Canes. Yeah, he has. Well, he, he did a little bit of minor 10. Um, so he was a defensive coach uh, for the um, uh, Wellington Lions. And he's you know obviously with uh, John Plumtree moving up the ranks and, and going to the All Blacks. Uh, the, the, the new coaching staff, Chris Gibbs, has, has come into assistant coach. And they've also brought in uh, Corey Jane. It's, um, he's, done a, he's done a fairly good job, you know. Obviously, having played on the wing, he's, he's obviously got a mouse for knowing sort of, you know, where that contact is and how to read defensive lines and things like that. So I am quietly looking forward to seeing seeing how he goes. They didn't do too well the, at the early stages of last year's um, minor team cup, but they certainly came back um, uh, in terms of a defensive. They leaked a lot of points, so... I think he's got a whole new system in, but try talking to him about it. I, I, I still don't understand it, you know, and he's, but he's fairly, fairly excited about uh, what he's got planned to hit anyway. He was always so good with ball in hand and in the air. I don't know, was defence one of his strong points when you played with him? No, he never used to make many tackles, and Brent, that's a good thing when you're coaching, you know, you sort of, you know the areas that the tackles are going to be made and what defensive lines are, need to happen or what sort of... Uh, areas you, you you need to try and um, you know target. So no, it was never well, it's never any of us. Uh, All right, let's quickly bounce through which Aussie side, which one of the four Aussie sides will ask the most questions of the competition this year. Oh, look, I was really impressed with the with the way the Reds um, went last year. I think um, you know Ben Thorns really had that sort of side, a young side. He brought a lot of new things into him. He left a couple of guys out that was, uh, uh, that was sort of talked about. But I think, you know, that sort of youth um, that is starting to come through, mixed in with the guys like, you know, Slipper and Co. Um, I, I want to see how, you know, Jordan um, Pitai sort of progresses. You yeah. know, there's a lot of talk around sort of um, what he did. Like Highlanders last year, man, he just um, was something special. So, you know, um, I just want to see how sort of he goes. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. But I'm, I think I think the Reds, I mean, I mean, the Rebels have gone shopping a little bit. I mean, Solomon Akata, is he at the Rebels? Yeah, uh, he, no, he's, he's, he's Brumbies. He's gone Brumbies. Yeah, yeah. Brumbies, yeah. I mean, um, and, you know, seeing how he goes with uh, Colin Drani, um, James O'Connor back in, back in the Reds. But for me, really, it's, it's looking to see how the Reds sort of um, okay. go because last year they just showed some... Yeah, they showed some mongrel, but also some flair out in the young backs, didn't they? Yeah, no, they've got a fairly well-rounded squad under Brad Thorne. South Africa, Argentina, who do you think is finishing top of that conference? Well, you'd have to say uh, Jaguars do, you know, given sort of the, the, who they've got. I don't know what, what the backlash is going to be after winning the Rugby World Cup in South Africa, whether they're sort of you know, taking uh, the foot off the accelerator a little bit. But Jaguars, I mean... It's it's the Argentinian side, isn't it? So when you're looking at that, you'd have to say, well, um, you know, can they back it up? And that's their motivation, really. They made the final last year. Can they go and do it again? Yep, no, good shout. Okay, so Hagawares there, Reds for the Aussies. I now need to get your top of the conference on the New Zealand side. You're going to go with your old team, one of your old teams, the Chiefs? I've got to go with the Chiefs, mate. I've got I've, this year, I've, I'm, you know, I made the mistake last year and copped a lot of flat for it that I went for the Blues because I obviously played for them uh, but I just they're just looking good mate they've got some 
Uh, good kettle, there. Yeah, a number of the are all blacks. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to take that punishment that I took last year from the Chiefs faithful, and I'm going to go for the Chiefs this year. Okay, and the top try scorer of the year, you know your way to the line. You knew how to cross the stripe. Who have you got zeroed in on to be the top try scorer in 2020 Super Rugby? It's a tough one. Sibu Reese last year was, man, he was top notch and obviously Bridge as well. He's a real workhorse. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting. I'd like to see Rico Ioane from from the Blues. You know, I think it's an interesting change. They're looking at playing him at, at centre. But it's, it's it's really tough not to go past the likes of, you know, a Sibu Reese with a, you know, he's just, he's just so good. He's, I mean... Well, he knows his way to the trial line and his skill set's uh, um, you know, pretty damn good as well. So perhaps the guy in red and black, but he is from Waikato. So there is a connection there in some ways. Mate, looking forward to hearing your voice across the year on Sky Sports NZ. You enjoy yourself. We might just check in a little later down the track to see how some of those tips are going. Absolutely, mate. An absolute pleasure, mate. Looking forward to it. Well, as mentioned, Mills was in Hamilton, New Zealand last weekend commentating our next guest, Elia Green, who is the fastest woman in world rugby. Elia Green, what's going on? Shawnee, Maloney, how are you? What's doing? You all rested up after the weekend? No. No? <laughs> Tough one. Yeah, no, I'm a little bit sick, but um, yeah, I got sent home today, so yeah. So I don't know, I'm, I will be ready by tomorrow. Oh, that's good to hear. Now let's go back. Can we bounce it back? Actually, let's bounce it back all the way, if you don't mind, to Cape Town before Christmas. I want to touch on that before we get into last weekend, what's coming this weekend. You became the all-time leading Aussie women's try scorer in Cape Town. Yes, that yeah. was a pretty special moment, to be honest. Like, that was a very, um, very much of a career highlight so far. Um, I guess, you know, it doesn't really count because Emily Terry did have a baby and she was um, <laughs> the leading try scorer before. So I guess, like, you know... That doesn't really count, but otherwise it's, it's still a really, um, you know, special achievement. It definitely counts because she's back in Aussie colours and she can still catch her. Yeah, well, she is back and I am so happy about it. And it's just been amazing having her out there again. You know, we've been playing with, with next each other for so many years and I guess we just know exactly how each other work and play, so... It works well. We'll go into her in a little bit uh, more in just a second. I want to stay with you for a second. Let's go all the way back. Let's go all all the way back to like 2014 when you first sort of started getting a taste for it. At any point, did you have any idea that you would end up where you are now as one of the most recognised and talented players on the World Series? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I didn't have any belief that I would even play for Australia when I went to that trial. Um, like I, I, I didn't. I literally didn't have any expectations of it going anywhere. So when I got received that letter um, in the mail from Rugby Australia saying they were interested in me to go to Canberra. I was literally gobsmacked. I was. I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I can't believe they even think that I had potential. I said, like, uh, I hope they know all I can do is run. And, Bob, <laughs> and then my mom said, Bob, you must have something special because they're interested in you. And so, yeah, just from, like, you know, my my mom was here. She'd say the same. She, like, she knew that I had no belief whatsoever that I would ever make um, international rugby. 
But you, she had every belief that I would. Yeah, she was all over it. But you, could, I mean, you could run fast, but you couldn't run fast repeatedly, could you? That was one of the big things that you needed to overcome oh, early on. Mate, you've seen it with your own eyes. I've you seen it. Training. I've seen it. Even I was. I think even yeah. I moved faster than you on repeat you efforts. Publicly embarrassed me on a camera, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> now look at where you are, though. You're top of the pile. <laughs> The other, I guess the other question as well I want to hit on with you is what point, at what point do you kind of feel like you belong in that space? I guess like one of the biggest things was the relationships I developed with some of the players, um, especially Amy Turner. Yes. She made me feel like, you know, like this is where I'm meant to be. And also, um, you know, my coach at the time, which was Chris Lane, um, he was also very, um, you know, like very, what's the word? Um, encouraging very encouraging yeah and he had a lot of belief in me and then with Tim Walsh um, coming on board after that he had a lot of belief in me as well and we had a very strong relationship so I think it was the combination between uh, you know making developing really great relationships with um, the players and the coaches which helped me believe in myself um, and then obviously my mom the whole time she you know she she just made me feel like the the opportunities were endless for me and whatever I wanted to do, and that's where I got that mentality for it. Well, you get another opportunity this weekend at home, and I know that each and every one of the women that you play alongside just get so amped for their home tournament. We go back two years, and your side managed to go through without conceding a single try. I don't think we will ever see that again on the World Series, women or men. That was remarkable. Got the gold on that occasion. Uh, it's tough, though, isn't it, trying to get it done at home, fourth place finished last week in Hamilton. Why can you bounce back to the top at home in 2020? Oh, mate, that's look, that's a goal. Like we we want to put on a show. We want to put on absolute our absolute best, you know, gold winning performance for our country um, in our country at home soil. And like you said, Sydney Sevens is unbelievably special. It's so rare that all of our friends and family and you know our our home supporters really get to see um, what it's all about. So. I'm extremely excited for that. And, you know, to think back two years ago when we did win that with not a try conceded, I didn't even know that that was the case until, you know, Walshy actually said it at the end of the game. He just kept saying, not one point conceded. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. that's insane. The whole tournament, I didn't even realise. But like you said, that it would be very hard to achieve again. So, you know... I just really hope that we can get the job done this weekend because the girls are fired up for it and they can't wait. You know, it's definitely one that um, everyone, you know, really, really looks forward to. I think you're going to get Charlotte Kaslik back this week. Is that right? Do you get Charlotte Kaslik back in Aussie colours? Yes, yeah, so I've heard. And sh- and she'll ma- she'll likely make a difference for your squad in your home tournament. But those youngsters that are coming through, they look very handy. That next generation of sevens players are legit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're extremely impressive. And um, they're just like little bulldogs. Like, they are not afraid to put their body on the line. Like, um, you know, they can they can, they can, can tackle Shani and Shano, myself, and, you know, all the big girls on the circuit. They are not afraid to put their body on the line. And that, that is the most impressive thing with girls their size and their age, to be honest. So they're just going to get better from here. Well, looking forward to seeing how you and the youngsters go around this weekend. It won't be easy in New Zealand. Uh, top of the table for the moment. Canada are in form. The USA, you just snuck past them last weekend over in the US. And then the rest continue to ask questions as well. But we wish you well. And have you got anything lined up or planned for us if you manage to score like a long-range match-winning try? You got a little something-something for us? No, that's always in the back of my mind. Especially, okay. 
Yeah, I, I'm ready to put on a show, Shorty. Like, I, that's what I love doing, and I will do anything for this country and this team, to be honest. So get ready for us, Sydney. We're coming in hot. And you can catch Elia all weekend long at the Sydney Sevens, where Australia, Canada, and the USA have to find a way to stop the New Zealand women to stay alive in their hunt for the top prize on the series. And on the men's front, well, New Zealand are way out in front after claiming their host tournament last weekend. That's now two from three available gold medals that the New Zealand men have grabbed. Okay, that's a wrap. Next week on the World Rugby Podcast, we'll review week one in the Six Nations. Uh, dial it back into Super Rugby and the HSBC 7 Series stop here in Sydney and have a look as well at what's going down in the Japanese Top League. Good luck to you and yours on this massive weekend in rugby. We'll catch you all again, same place next week.